0: Check, check, mic check. 60 Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Pro Taper, and Get Data on PulpMX.com. Her- Taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host Steve
1: Mattis.
2: Welcome, everybody! Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by Get Maxis, and Pro Taper. Better late than never. We are on the air. Most of you listen by archives, anyways. Thank you. Appreciate it. Round two Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships is kicking off. This weekend at Glen Helen, we just had Hangtown. Not a lot of surprises when it comes to the opening round. Eli won, Marv got second, Osborne won, J-Mark got second. Um, but uh, a few things to talk about. Uh, Jason Thomas, Chris Kiefer will be on here. Flyracing.com, please check them out on the web. Blake Baggett, uh, Weston Pike, just a few of the guys running Fly Racing, and a very exciting company. Big news coming from them later in the summer. And, uh, man, when it comes to gear, Flyracing.com has got to be one of your number one choices out there. Uh, whether it's helmets, gloves, pants, jersey, they've got a multitude of options available as well. So please check them out. Also, to ProTaper.com, uh, love these guys. Uh, geico honda rockstar husky among the guys that use pro taper jgr as well and get uh works part for your production machine justin barsha alex ray running get a little orange box on the on the front fenders that absolutely uh, kill it. And also, too, uh, we want to thank the folks at Maxis, the MXST tire developed by Jeremy McGrath. Uh, and uh, it'll be out real soon, whether it's your car, whether it's your trailer, whether it's your light, light truck, uh, SUV. Maxis tires has got you uh, covered. And, uh, yeah, we want to thank you guys. 702-586-7857. We've got a few lines open. And uh, let's talk some, uh, let's talk some Glenn Hellen. Uh First up, uh, let's get to our guest though right away. He is uh, privateer hero, old privateer hero, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? How are you?
1: Nothing. How are you? Are you good? You got your ticket no, dialed?
2: Nope. It's Did we a, get an update? It's not going well. Um, yeah, not going well. I, I, that's all I have to say. I have met much anger directed towards the Vegas Golden Knights and their ticketing system. And oh, no. um, you know we'll we'll move on from there. Uh, Is Fuki gonna burn the T-Mobile Arena down? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, look, it's uh, it's not good. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals <laughs> has just provided me with more stress in my life than I need. Um, all right, hey, let's uh, let's talk some uh, Glenn Helen. Little bit different of a track. I wrote in my column um, this week that, uh, yeah, Hangtown happened, not a lot of surprises. Uh, Glen Helen will happen, and there will be some weird results and weird things because Glen Helen is a locals-only type of track. I predict that uh, we will not really get uh, into the stream of things for the uh, uh, Nationals until probably round three.
1: Yeah, I think so. But I think at the at the top, the very, very top, I think you're already seeing the trends that are going to continue. I think when you get into maybe five to fifteen, or or especially like eight to fifteen, or, or even further back, you definitely will see some some changes, and that'll be week to week. Um, you know, we're going to go to to Glen Helen this weekend, which, as you you talked about, is a it's its own animal by itself. Then you go to Colorado, which you're at, you know, 5,000 feet, and you're in the mountains, and and that's a completely different deal where, you know, we saw Blake jump off the page last year, and, uh, you know, we don't really know what we'll see there compared to Hangtown and Glen Helen. It's always a bit different. And then we venture off to the East Coast. So uh, especially as you go back and the, and, uh, the competition is closer, I think that's when you start to see the the difference in results um at the very very top. it seems like these guys are impervious to track changes or weather changes or any of that stuff. They're just so damn good and they're so much better than the the rest of the pack that it doesn't seem to change a whole lot
2: yeah it's uh it's a definitely different deal um the guys ride there all the time it's what is it j t is it just the way the bump shape the gravelness to it the square edge it, what is it about Glenn Helen?
1: I think it's a little bit of all those things you know for me um I always uh, I, I didn't really struggle there as much as I just never really felt all that comfortable. Uh, the dirt is is pretty easy to get used to because it's kind of soft and, and there's a lot of traction but the downhills are really intense um to be able to carry speed down some of the hills it just it's it's an acquired taste and you have to acclimate it and those guys have been riding there for so long it's just another day at glen helen yeah um the one of the toughest aspects that i think gets overlooked by most is the afternoon shadows and the Sakamotos because you're you're basically riding on a hillside or a mountainside and when that when that sun dips behind that and casts shadows over the the you know Mount St Helen, you can't see anything. I literally remember just kind of riding up the hill at half speed because I couldn't see what was in front of me.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh that's you know the, I think those guys get used to it and they get used to that uneasy feeling. Um for me, man, I was just like I I don't know where I'm going. I'm not used to riding like this and I was you know, way too hesitant in those situations. <laughs> Honestly, it's just really sketchy. So yeah, there's a lot of unique aspects to that race, no doubt.
2: A um, lot of guys at uh, the press conference talked about these jumps, the practice jumps. Now, you weren't there. I wasn't there. I saw a couple on video. Um, you know, MX Sports is going to go in there and talk to uh, Jody Weisel, the track designer, and try to um, fix that. What, what happens, do you think, and, and what's the reason why they, they, they tend to do this? One year they built a supercross section there that, pissed off a bunch of people. Uh, What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you know, we've, we've both heard some scuttlebutt from uh, people in the know on this, and uh, I honestly don't expect them to budge much. I, I think they pride themselves, whether it's, you know, Bud and Lori or Jody or uh, just all the people involved there, I think they pride themselves on kind of marching to the beat of their own drum. I don't think they like for uh, MX Sports to lean on them at all um and i think they kind of they want to do what they want to do and and that goes from everything from some of the rules with sponsors to the track design to to everything they they like to push the envelope and uh when you tell them hey we have (laughs) we have things we have to adjust here they i don't think they like to listen to that uh (laughs) so when it comes to the track i think jody's gonna try to have it his way as much as he can
2: i don't think they like to listen to that
1: <laughs> no, I, I I don't think they do. From from my experiences as a, you know working uh, with them, uh, uh, representing a series sponsor, Glen Helen is is the one where it's like, yeah, well, you know, Glen Helen is it, they're just let's just say they're different. Like when it comes to that,
2: story. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, they really are. It's uh, by the way, on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show, we are going to give away a set of Kinetic Mesh gear today to a lucky caller. Uh, let's go to the calls right now. Raining Yellow, what's up? What's your question for uh, for Jason Thomas?
0: Well, hey, how about this? So, like with Glenn Helen, why doesn't someone, you know, a bunch of the big guys go around and just get the census? Like, we don't have to triple this. You know, just double
1: it, everybody. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, that's not going to work is
0: it is it because some some Joe Blows going to take his shot at at risking it for glory or
1: well i mean that's the, half the battle of racing is some guys can jump some stuff and some can't and if you tell a guy hey nobody jumped this and the, you know the guy's following the guys like i could jump that and i'm going to gain 2 seconds a lap you can you can bet yourself the first time they come around they're going to jump it i mean it's just it sounds great on paper but it's never going to happen in, in yeah
0: it's just unfortunate because, i mean We've always said, or you guys said, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of environment you put, put them in, the top guys are going to rise to the top. Um, I, I would just like to see everyone safer, but if they don't want to do it, it's up to them. And then uh, one other thing is, what do you guys think about the whole Works Edition bikes coming out?
2: Kiefer's going to come on later and talk a little bit about it, but yeah, JT, what do you, what's your thoughts?
1: I think it's cool. You know, uh, KTM has kind of owned this market as far as uh, specialty bikes, and we all know how um, diverse KTM's line has been over the years. You know, I've, I've looked through it over time, and Steve, I think you were the one that told me that they had, like, th- over 30 models at one point for off-road. Yeah, awesome. Uh yeah, which is just insane. So um, I think it's cool that, that Honda is, is the first one to react and, and kind of say, hey, guys, like, you know, we can, we can do this too. Like, don't forget, don't forget about us. We've been, we've been around for a minute. Um, and Because the only real person that's going to benefit in the end is the, is the consumer. So uh, I, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see them react um, in a positive way.
0: I think it's super cool. Um, my only thing is, like, you know, I want to see a realistic – you know, price differential just like I ride the two stroke just because you know, affordability and yet I still paid more than I should for that for for what I'm you know what I'm saying? The technology wise and Yeah.
1: Yep. No, I I agree with you in the fact fact that drive
0: out the average person. That's that's my whole thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do think that if a an OEM can find a way to come out with a 125 and 252 stroke at somewhere around the five thousand dollar mark for a new unit or right. maybe six thousand like they used to be, uh, they're gonna they're gonna make a lot of money and sell a lot of units. So,
0: uh, right on, guys. Well, cool. That's what I wanted to hear. I like that, JT. So you guys have a good one.
2: Thanks, Randy. i appreciate yeah, it. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by Get Pro Taper Maxis, and. Uh, Hold on, I can't find my notes now. What the hell? I'm rattled right now, dude. I'm so rattled. Um, <laughs> let's get this to the next, next call here. Chad, um, what's going on, man? How are you?
0: Pretty good. How you doing, buddy? Good. What's your question? Yeah, the, the Chajaro kid. I know he's only 16 or whatever, but, you know, he, he he was impressive as can be. So what's his future hold? I mean, is he going to Troy Lee Designs when the time comes? Or do you think he'll sign someone else? Or what's his story?
2: Or, you know? Uh, I don't know much about him, JT. And you? Uh,
1: no, I don't. Um, but I can tell you that winning races like that and, and getting that kind of exposure, uh, he's going to be looked at sooner than later, so I, I would assume he's already on uh, some sort of, you know, program that's going to get him where it needs to be anyway, uh, but rides like that, you know, they kind of jump off the page.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know much about yeah. him, but uh, I mean, obviously, beating those guys is great, like JT said, but, but if you're on a 125, I mean, there's a little bit of like, hey, who, who are you really beating here, you know? So,
0: or, yeah, that was my next question. I mean, is he just like a, a two-stroke specialist? You know, a young kid that just rides nothing but two-strokes, or is, would he advance to a you know uh, a four-stroke? Or I mean, I'm sure he rides one. I've seen it on social media, but yeah, I don't,
2: I don't, I don't know. It. No idea. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Jacob. Jacob, you want to talk some more, Glenn Helen? Huh?
0: Yeah, I I saw the uh, track map. Did they change like the flow of the track?
2: It definitely looks like they've done some stuff. Yeah, I don't know about the flow because I haven't seen anybody ride it or not. But uh, I don't know, JT. Did you make see it? Kind of snakes around and uh,
1: I do. I have a track map, um, but from what I saw, I didn't see huge changes. But I didn't study it either. So um, I, I've seen videos and I've seen track map. Yeah, but they, I... it
2: looks like Mount St. Helens is used uh, near the end of a lap. Yep, um, as opposed to the beginning. And um, and yeah, they obviously go back and more into the REM and everything else. So. Uh, but- well,
1: and, and if you go back over the years, we've ridden every inch of that place in every different direction, every way you can possibly up and go, go up and down those hills. So, um, yeah, if they want to move it around and add, you know, REM back in, which I think the last time we rode, the REM section would have been 2006.
2: Maybe. Yeah, they they also have to be careful with the length of the track because of um, the cables no, for camera, cables for cameras and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and length of, for the TV show and everything. There's, they just can't make it like they used to. Uh, and more TV issues than anything else.
1: Yeah, 2009 okay. was I think the last time we went way back in the, into the REM section, and I don't know if I've ever been more scared at a national than I was that day at some of the hills <laughs> and jumps. Jeez.
0: Yeah, because I was looking at it because I decided to go back and watch. Last year's Glenn Helen, and I'm like, and I saw the track map today, I'm like, this looks different,
2: like yeah, yeah it it's 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 different every year, every year they try stuff, so um okay, yeah, uh thanks, man. thanks for the call. uh-huh, no problem uh j.t. when it comes to this weekend, uh do you look look for Eli Tomac and Marvin Muskan to be again, um a little bit ahead of everybody else?
1: Yeah, you've got to think that you know um, Blake is the guy that can obviously shake all of that up, uh, but we'll just have to see. You know, he was he was pretty far off the pace. Uh, I think he was something like thirty-five seconds off, maybe, or something like that, the, the second moto. Um, and I talked to Burner, and they were forty-six seconds off last year. So, you know, everyone's trying to if you had a good weekend you're you're pumped. If you had a bad weekend, you're looking for silver lining. You know there's always the spin that comes after every race. So I know for them they were looking at well we were we're better on the results page, and we're better as far as distance behind the leaders than we were last year. so uh let's kind of get to work and figure this thing out. Um, but I, if he would, if a guy like Blake jumped up from you know fifth overall into the podium, that's something I would expect. Yeah. Um, yep. But I do think that the leaders, who were the leaders, are going to remain the leaders.
2: And it's going to be maybe Anderson, Barsha, and Blake uh, battling it out for that third spot.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, last year Anderson won his first ever 450 moto at this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barsha was really impressive, so I don't think he's going to go away yeah. necessarily. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think the, the first two have established themselves and we kind of knew they would already. Uh, but as far as that podium weekend and week out, like you said, I think it's going to be up for grabs and you're going to see some serious battling because, you know, let's be honest, that's where the money is. And that's where guys are being paid to land, you know, whether you get, unless you're being paid to win a title, as long as you're on the podium every weekend, things are good. Um, so they're going to be, they're going to be battling for that spot.
2: Yeah. It'll be uh, interesting bar Barsha goes well at Glen Helen. He always has, and three-three uh, last weekend on the uh, on the Yamaha. Like maybe he's a guy that could you know, with some confidence, get up there and uh, and get a little further ahead of those guys.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've never I've never really associated Barsha with Glen Helen other than his his first race there in '09. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if that's just me not paying attention or or what. But I, it's just not a track that has ever really uh resounded with Barsha for me, but um having said that, I'm sure it'll be good. There's no doubt about that. it just wasn't one that I had pegged for Barsha specifically
2: yeah. uh Benny Bloss was very good uh on the rocky mountain k t m team
1: yeah, Eww. way better than expected yeah like, uh, well, maybe not for him yeah. but uh well, if you'd have told me that you know Jason Anderson would be leading the race, and then Benny would pass him uh at the last lap uh that you know without a crash or anything, I would have been very surprised by that um but Benny was just solid i mean i think he even got his results jaded a bit because he crashed on the start of the first moto yeah yeah and he had to fight all the way back to 10th or whatever he got Yep. ninth maybe um but yeah super solid day and a super good start to the season which he he, honestly he needed because supercross other than the last couple rounds you know vegas was great but and kind of in the middle there wasn't wasn't that awesome
2: um no exactly and uh but something like that's got to give him a lot of confidence you know, like that yeah, really has I
1: to. Yeah, I think. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I agree. And I think Vegas gave him a lot of confidence going into Hangtown as well. Uh, I just know he was kind of in a weird spot in the middle of the season, trying to sort out where he fit in. And then Vegas, he rides around, and, and you know, Pike and those guys can't catch him. Barsha, they can't catch him. So going into Hangtown, he's like, all right, you know. I, obviously i have something and then uh to to back that up i'm sure you know his confidence is soaring going into glen helen
2: um anybody else that you see jumping up there a little bit surprising anybody else coming in for 450 wise
1: i think pike will be better uh he's dealing with some some hand and wrist injuries um but i i do think he will improve i think glen helen will be a good race for him he grew up you know in the 909 area uh, so I, I do think he'll be in the mix. Maybe not every single weekend, but uh, we got to you know we got to remember he's been a top five guy in and out of top five in this class for several years now. So you got to think he's going to bounce back somewhat.
2: Two fifties. Uh, Jeremy Martin actually uh, ran away with one moto here last year, and I think he was in the lead for the other one when he went off the track. So yep. good good track for J Mart.
1: Yeah, I, I picked him to win a moto in my column today. <clears throat> uh he just seems to ride well here. He pulled, you know, at least one huge hole shot. We were trying to figure out if it was both motos last year. Um and honestly, yeah, he should have and probably would have ran away with that, that second one. Uh but yeah, he came down came down Mount Saint Helens and uh jumped out of a rut and jumped off the track and that was all she wrote. So i'm sure he was uh kicking himself leaving uh you know leaving that day and i'm sure it has i'm sure it's crossed his mind more than once that you know leading into going home yeah. this week so look for look for him to bounce back you know whether he can beat zach straight up we'll we'll find out um but keep in mind zach went four two at this race last year for the overall so he wasn't by any means dominant at this round
2: yeah uh let's get some phone calls here first up is uh mike what's right. it going on you want to talk about fantasy hey.
0: yeah dude uh I just started playing it last weekend or whatever, and it's badass, but um, my question is, with the handicap, exactly how does that work? So if a rider has like a four behind their name, do they have to get like fourth or better, or do they have to get 14th or better? Like, does it go off 10 or go off first?
1: JT? Say it again, I I couldn't understand what he was actually asking. Explain based
2: on the uh, handicap system to him for riders in Pulp Fantasy.
1: So... Basically, what you're trying to do with your handicap guys, if if you have an all star, you are only going to get single points no matter what. Whatever their handicap is, you're getting single points. The handicap guys, you need them to be inside the top ten after you apply their handicap. So if you pick a guy that's handicap 14, he needs to be 24th or better to get double points. So uh-huh. start moving his way down from there. Say say you pick a guy that's uh, let's let's say Alex Ray. He's a handicap 12 going into Glen Helen. If he gets 20th, let's say, you subtract 12 spots from him, that's his handicap, and now he gets eighth place times two. So the key for any of those guys is they need to they need to take their handicap and have that move them inside the top ten. Tenth or better is the key for all of this. Um, so, you know, there's so much drama going on behind the scenes, whether it's myself or Paul Parabinos or, you know, we have this big group fantasy chat going on. And if we take a flyer on one of these guys like a Van Martin or somebody and they're running around 26, 27, 28, you're just sweating it out because the point swing is huge whether they get, you know, into that top 10 with their handicap or not.
0: Oh, okay. So everybody basically just from the handicap you're trying to get them into the top 10 no matter what.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's where the you know where you get the boost is is you know, taking a chance on a guy and, and, you know, for Alex Ray, you're hoping if you picked him at a 12, you're hoping he can pull off like a 14, 15, 16, something like that. You're going to get a boatload of points, but there's always the risk with a guy like that, that if, if Alex Ray gets 23rd, uh, you're, yeah, you're only getting like 10 points or 10 or 11 points. So that's going to hurt pretty bad.
2: Got Sweet. it. Well, thanks yeah. A lot. yeah. It all kind of works off a of 10 and goes, uh, goes around from there and then you want to help them get into the double points.
0: Yeah. I scored 515. Is that
1: pretty decent for the first round?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, first round scores are high. Five is pretty good. So Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for playing. Uh, all right, let's get to Jacob. Jacob, Glen Helen, uh, track layout.
3: Oh, it's Jared, but that's okay.
2: Okay. All right. What's up?
3: <laughs> I have a question. How, where's the middle ground that you can find between making the riders happy about the track and somewhat safe, but then also making it so – It's entertaining because as a fan, I like to see the big jumps and all that, but as a person that also rides, I understand the danger and the risk that is there. So how can the track builders make both sides happy almost?
2: JT? That's a good question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily have to make jumps small or easy to make them safe. Uh, I think having, you know, room for error or always have a way for guys to have an exit strategy if things are going wrong is is paramount. Um, Having downsides of jumps that give guys room, you know, not too steep, you know, because we're talking about an outdoor motocross track that's going to get beat to hell. Really, you know, Mm -hmm. pardon my language, but... These these tracks are just ruined by the end of of Saturday afternoon. So if you make the jumps too steep of a downside, or you know, uh, they just the the level of difficulty is too high. When you start adding ruts and holes and bumps and you know high temperatures and uh, all these things into it, um, you know an, an easy jump turns into a hard jump because the conditions are so deteriorated. So uh, that's that's I think is my biggest complaint with some of this stuff is. You know, on on Saturday morning, guys are walking the track, and they're like, look how awesome we built this track. And I, I'm thinking, yeah, that's great right now, but what, what's going to happen at 4 o'clock this afternoon when the yeah. track is completely destroyed? It's going to be way too sketchy for these guys to do this for, for 35 minutes. Uh, and I I just think you always have to take into account – What is this section going to look like at its worst? Forget about what it looks like, you know, in the morning, because everybody can do the jumps, whether they're hard or easy. Let's talk about what it's going to look like at 4 or 4.30.
3: Yeah, and Glen Helen's a prime example of that. It's beautiful first thing in the morning, and then in the afternoon, there's just, there's ruts, bumps, everything, everywhere, and it is, that's a dangerous track. But then, as a fan's perspective, that big jump in the back, I love seeing it, but that approach of how they have it you 're going downhill you 're upshifting you 're going as fast as that bike will go, one small bump or rock or something to mess you up, and that it could be catastrophic
1: yeah it's uh, you know we 've had this same conversation with this race for a few years now, and it doesn 't seem like we 're getting anywhere. Um, my fear is that something really serious is going to have to happen to make changes and that's that's the last thing anybody wants right you shouldn't you shouldn't have to have something catastrophic go down to make sweeping changes i just don't i don't i don't think that's the way to approach a policy like that yeah
3: Yeah, i completely agree i don't i mean i love watching the sport and like i said as a fan i love seeing that but as a writer i completely understand the risk and know what could potentially happen so it's like a it's hard to find the 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 right way to, to view it and who to who to take sides with, in, in, in all honesty.
2: I mean, I just – I I always think about, like, motocross racing and do you need huge jumps in motocross? Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. go to a supercross well, hey, race. Like, I, I don't know. You
1: know, know I, I, I hate to compare, you know, our series to MXGP, but I do think they do some things uh, – I, I like their ideas on some things. Um, you know, the track this past weekend in Germany, Steve and I, you and I have both been there a few times. Uh, And that track, I don't know how you could get more difficult than that with the ruts and bumps and the level of difficulty was off the scale. But that doesn't mean there were big jumps. That just means the track was super rough and ruddy and technical. But I wouldn't consider that dangerous. So I don't always equate. A uh, safe track was an easy track. I think that's a pretty big misconception. Where you know, there's this there's this wish by some people to build the most death-defying track you can find. And as a rider, you're just like you know, rolling your eyes and like, guys, like, do you understand what we're feeling like the last 10 minutes of the moto? Like, we're not, we can barely hold on. We're not thinking super clear because we've been, you know, we, our heart rate's been at 185 for the past half an hour. Uh, it's just it puts guys in a really bad spot, and you know, with the mentality of these guys, they're not going to back out of it. They're still going to go for it, even when it's a bad idea. And that's that's the most concerning aspect of all of it.
2: Uh, yeah, good questions for sure, uh, Jared. You want some uh, fly racing kinetic mesh gear? Heck yeah! All right, man. We'll stay on the line. Uh, Tits will get your information, and uh, you win for calling in. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's just. You know, I, I, the guys are screaming, ah, these guys are pussies and this and that. But, I mean, come on, man. It's
1: Dude, they're it's, not. It's, Trust it's, me. It's not. Like. They're not. like, And that's the whole problem. I think that's the biggest problem is that people are claiming that. But what they're not seeing is the guys aren't going to be – they're not going to be scared. They're going to go for it anyway, even at their own peril. That's the problem. Yeah. It's not that they won't do it, or they, they'll race anything you put in front of them. But some of these guys are smart enough, with their helmets off, to realize, like, hey, do we really need to take this bigger risk? Like, we're already in a super dangerous sport. Do we really need to up yeah. the ante on on injuries when we're already missing half the the
2: 450 factory field anyway? Yeah, Uh, Zach, what's going on? You want to talk about JG?
0: Yeah, uh, what is it? You know, you guys think he's going to retire? Uh, was his career a success? Did he overachieve, underachieve, or do right, right, right yeah. what he was supposed to
2: do? He, him, him and I don't talk, but the rumor I'm hearing is that he's going to hang it up, JT. It's going to be a while before we see him this summer, if at all. Um, so I don't know what you what you heard, JT. you hear any rumors at all about that?
1: I really haven't heard anything, but that would be a shame. If uh, it, if it, if it
2: but uh, as far as his career being a success... Yes. He made a lot of money. He Royce professional motocross for a long time. Uh, that's hard to do, uh, no, make a lot no of money, titles. And, and, but no titles. But I mean, a lot of guys are like that. You know, Kevin Windham has a couple of regional titles, um, but nothing else. And so, uh, yeah, I'd say success JT, right?
1: I think so. Yeah. Anytime you can be relevant for that long and be, you know, near the front, I think you've, you've done some serious good. And, and Go around and ask people that name and they're going to know it. You know, I think that's that's a really good barometer for how you've done. Is if you're immediately recognizable to the casual fan.
2: All right, man. Thanks for the call. Uh, do we th- do we think Weimer's coming back or? Uh, no idea. I Don't know. Yeah, I think it. That depends on if he can get a ride or not. If Motor Concepts wants to bring him back or whatever. Uh, he's not going to hit it. Hit the hit the truck as a hit the circuit as a privateer. So lots the lots to fall. Lots of contracts are up this year. So lots of dominoes to fall still for that.
1: Still oh, gotta get. I think awesome. I think once That's Webb nice. comes off the board, things are going to start happening pretty
2: yeah. quickly. Yeah, probably. Uh, Ryan, what's up? You want to talk about Chris Aldridge? Yeah, I saw
0: him uh, down there on a 252-stroke uh, hand count, and I know he's only been riding for about two months. And I'm thinking there's an upside to him. I think that we're going to see him, uh, if he can make it to the next few rounds, maybe uh, get in that top 15 and uh i'm thinking what's it going to take for him to come i mean he had a bad run pro circuit that was, he injury after injury and yeah. broken back at seattle uh what's it going to take to get him on some uh, some level of support
2: uh just just results 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 and riding a two-stroke in my opinion aren't going to get him those results so um you know he really has well, to look at it that way
0: yeah i mean so everybody loves a two-stroke like the 125 green race and all that is there any kind of Benefit for a team to have a
2: two-stroke on, on, on their under their tent, or is that just a no-go? Yeah, no go, huh, JT? I mean, it does. Just...
1: No, I don't, I don't see anybody doing anything like that. And I think honestly, the biggest thing he can do to have a chance is stay on his motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> just stop, stop yeah. crashing.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um. Thanks for the yeah. call, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Maxis, get ProTaper, and most of all, FlyRacing.com here on the Moto60 show. All right, JT, before we let you go, the Canadian series kicks off this weekend. Who you got? What you like? Uh,
1: I want to say Gerke, but you never really know with Canada because they don't do a lot of warm-up racing, and, you know, for for the USA guys, they're coming off the Supercross series, so we've been watching them for months and months, but... These Canadian guys, they've been doing a lot of practicing and I, I just don't think we have anywhere near as much data to go off of. I'm uh, sure we know who the players will be, you know. Um, you know, Leslie will be in there and Gurky will be in there and, and Colton and all these guys, but um I think I think I'm gonna go with, with Matt. I think he's really seasoned. I think he's still in his prime where where mm-hmm. Leslie's kind of fading out of that. Um and he's I think he's gonna be healthy for the first time in a while, so I like his chances.
2: Matt Gurky to get a be a three time Canadian champion if he wins this one. So yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah more soundtracks on the schedule, so that always helps. Uh all right, buddy. Uh thank you. Thanks for coming on late. Appreciate it. And um I'm still trying to get tickets by the way. Guess yeah, running. good luck with your tickets, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. All right. See you guys. Jason Thomas, everybody from Fly Racing. Uh moving into our next guest. He's a regular on the PubliMex show, but I don't know if he's ever done this show before. Chris Kiefer, what's up, man? How are you?
4: Hey boys, how are you? We're uh, good. Good afternoon.
2: Canadian Moto kicking off this weekend? Yeah, can't wait. Uh, Can't wait? Who do you like? Do you you, you follow it that closely? What are you thinking?
4: Yeah, I follow all... Come on, Steve. I follow all motorsports, dirt bike related. So for me, I'm going to a... A guy that I ride with a lot, that I've seen ride, and it'll be Dylan Epstein. That's my guy.
2: That's your guy? All right. I think the 800 gets it done, man. He didn't ride the Arena car really? Series. Yeah, but it's just it's a sentimental man in me thinking the 800 will get it done.
4: Well, last year at Calgary, Dylan won. So um, yep. why don't you stick that in your pipe and smoke? Dylan
2: it. really struggled in that Arena Cross Series to start the year. Well, it's mud races. It, know, they were they, yeah, they were they weren't great. I'll give you that. Yeah, they weren't great.
4: Yeah. Um. So I, I he's just a better natural outdoor rider anyway, and he's been riding good, and yep. uh, he likes his bike, so I think he'll be good.
2: You uh, you've also been riding with uh, Ryan Surratt a little bit. Uh what did you think of his Hangtown ride? Did you get a chance to talk to him at all? Did you have you seen him since then?
4: Yeah, I talked to him a little bit. Um, I thought he would do a little bit better than he did. I know I kind of gave you like a eighteen twenty moto score for my, uh, you know, pick for him, but I think a little bit of nerves. Um, he's not on, you know, a fully modified 250 F his stuff's done a little bit, but doesn't have that much work done to it. So I think starts hurt him a little bit, but the kid's very aggressive. He rides good. He rides a lot. So I know he's in shape, but I think he will do better at Glen Helen because he knows that area more he's ridden it. So I would assume to him to be about 15 to 20 at Glen Helen.
2: 15 to 20. Okay. It is a, we just had JT on here talking about the, the local tracks and uh, Glen Helen is certainly locals only. What is it about that place? Well, the
4: tough spot about Glen Helen is the dirt. When you look at it, it looks really good. And of course, everyone knows Thursdays is not the best for Glen Helen, but when they do prep it, it does have traction. But what happens is there's so many inconsistencies on that track. So you'll have traction for a straightaway through a corner, and then the dirt changes. So you never can get the same feeling all around the whole track. And when you go back east, it's pretty consistent. But for Glen Helen, man, you have a nice loamy corner, and then the next corner will be hard pack and square edge, and you try to push it, then you lose it. And then what happens is you've got shadows. Shadows are shitty for second moto guys um, at Glen Helen because of the hills, So it's kind of tough. And even the local guys that ride there a lot on Thursdays don't really, for me, I don't think they do as good because they usually leave by one o'clock. And so they don't get to ride in those shadows. So Mm -hmm. this year I've been testing there more later in the day, and I've seen more guys show up later this year than I ever have before. So maybe uh, shadows will be, won't be such an issue.
2: All right, it'll be interesting to, uh, to see for sure. We'll talk some more, Glenn Helen, before we let you go here. Uh, but let's talk Honda news first. That's why I really want to get you on here. So Honda dropped some news this week. Uh, they came out in a really un- kind of an unprecedented thing and just dropped all their bikes um, and include a uh, CRF450RWE which is uh, like a factory edition. It's your answer to KTM and Husky releasing in a factory edition. Let's start with that bike. Uh, 500 made, uh, high price tag, some custom porting done. Uh, take us through that bike.
4: Yeah, so for those of you guys who don't know out there, I've kind of had some help in the process with 19 Honda stuff. And um, when I first got word about this bike, I was, one, I was shocked because for a Japanese manufacturer to do something like this is is really rare because it takes a lot of influence from the American side to get the Japanese side on board. Yeah. So one, I was excited, and then to see a bike that not only is a as a works edition, you know, the answer to the factory editions and, and the Rockstar stuff, but they actually have some differences yeah. versus standard one, which is kind of rare. Even the KTM factory edition is basically the next year's version. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing changes there, but you know hand ported um from a japanese engineer that's that's pretty that's pretty cool and i've had a chance to ride them um both actually and there are some differences it doesn't just feel like a standard 19 CRF 450r but um, has a little bit more torque a little bit more responsive the suspension obviously is a kit a kit yeah with coating, so you're getting a little bit more performance versus comfort um, so the guys that want a little bit more of a race oriented feel, that's something cool. And obviously, you know, when, when, when guys buy these bikes, I can guarantee you 90% of the people that buy these bikes do it on looks alone. So for me, it's hard. And I, and I said this on the show before, it's just hard to beat a Honda as far as looks. It just looks clean. Um, with all the Kashima Cody and the graphics, it, it just looks bitching. So, um, I just think it's good for, for a Japanese manufacturer to get out of their little box mm-hmm. and kind of try to rival, you know, the Austrian company because no one's done it for several years. And, and if you ask anybody around the paddock or in the manufacturer world, KTM is is killing everybody as they far are. as, you know, coming up with stuff. and yep. um, they, they just don't have the, the red flags in the walls as much as a Japanese manufacturer does because you've got to go through a lot more hoops to get stuff done on the other side. Or versus Austria, smaller company, things can happen faster. So, um,
2: um, you yeah, think I'm I...
4: looking forward to seeing how many actually. Uh, I think the thing's going to sell out. pretty Yeah, quickly.
2: it'll it's sell out, five, right? That was my next question for you. It's it's going to sell out.
4: Yeah, and I think people are complaining about the price tag, but if you add of all the parts, you know that you're getting, you buy a standard edition, you put a you know you put a muffler, you get your suspension done. It's basically the same thing that you're doing mm-hmm. to this you know, works edition. So, uh, what do you, um,
2: what's the, uh, the CRF450RX and the CRF450X? Excited yeah. about those? But
4: to me, I'm excited about the X. There hasn't been an X, um, a new one, updated one, in a long time. Okay. So good friends with Ricky Brabeck here in the high des. He's won National Heron Hound Championships, and all of his Heron Hound Championships have been won on the old model X because um, the RX was a little bit firmer of a feel is a little bit more rigid for those guys falling ass out in the desert. They want more flex. So now you've got a, a remade X that has that flex that those guys want. It has a six speed transmission. So um, that was unheard of too. Those guys were working off of five, five mm-hmm. speed. So um, Johnny Campbell had a lot of influence there as far as, you know, getting that model out and, specifically making it for guys, um, for me, I would say more on the West Coast uh-huh. than the East Coast. But, yeah, it's just exciting that actually there is a new off-road bike because um, you don't see that many of those come through Honda as no. much as you used to.
2: No, absolutely. And uh, what's up with the L on off-road? Yeah,
4: it's funny. People are stoked on the L, and I'm, I guess I'm not at that point in my life where I'm like, <laughs>
2: Okay. <laughs>
4: I about going, if I'm on a dirt bike, I want to be like on a dirt bike, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah. if I want to ride the street, I'm going to go on a street bike. I haven't got to that point where I'm like, oh, I want a dual sport bike so I can just peel off and go on, the,
2: <laughs> right. go on the
4: cart road. So I wasn't as pumped as everybody else, but it's cool for those guys that want to do that, especially guys that go to and from work and they want to hit the trail on the way home so their wives don't bitch at them. If they mm-hmm. want to go ride when they get home, they get a little bit of riding in before they get home. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't got a whole lot of great things to say about the L because I'm not on the level of a dual-sport guy yet. <laughs> You're
2: not, you don't live that life.
4: Um, no, I, I, it's funny because I haven't got to that point where I'm like, I so, don't I don't really care anymore. Like, I'm still competitive and I want to do things when I'm on a dirt bike. So that's
2: so a sport bike. So frames the same on the Works Edition, right, to the R? Yes. Yeah, so, frames the same. So it, if you take a, a 450 – uh production bike and you do motor mods like you said do suspension you know you're it's it's a little bit of a different thing than the works edition because you know we saw chad reed riding a drastically different bike than jason anderson right um that that's not going to happen at the highest levels of racing
4: right right so yeah yeah, absolutely yeah no I, i agree and people have also also asked me hey what about the head it's ported. is it a different head than the standard edition it's the same head just custom. Um, it's just yeah. obviously the ports are different and shape different yeah. to uh match you know match that.
2: So. Uh what's the and obviously ch- what's the changes with the new 450? Well, black uh, rims. Black rims. Yeah, well that that's a huge
4: thing. They really they really brought that home in the, in the introduction <laughs> Monday night. They kept saying black rims because everyone bitches about silver rims, but it does look better. Um but for me You know, in 18, I just wasn't a fan of the Honda because of the rigidity. And it was just, you know, the frame was stiff, and I want some more comfort. And um, they really worked a lot on frame stiffness, on swing arm stiffness. So right there, the bike improved dramatically just for straight line. So you're not getting that same Honda twitchy feel. You're getting a little bit more of a planted um stable field and that didn't hurt that much cornering because you don't want to take away honda's cornering so um that was good they, they actually dropped some weight a little bit i think 1.8 pounds um because they got rid of um obviously the the side cover is different they don't have the kick shafts um hole in there anymore they they made the swing arm a little lighter they put fat bars on finally got rid of seven eighths bars and i know me and paul can go around around on this but i'm glad they put um bigger bars on, and they made a bend that was a little lower than the 971 came stock this year. So to me, wasn't a fan of the 18 as much as I was with the KTM, Husqvarna, and the Yamaha. So maybe now with the rigidity balance and things getting better and the ECU changes made a pretty good difference in pulling power length so maybe that'll kind of close the gap on the other bikes. I'm hoping
2: you're hoping. All right, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good to see. It's always good and surprising when the Japanese are flexible a little bit like this. You know, I like it. Um, Chris Kiefer here on the show seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. We're gonna be on, we're gonna go a little bit longer than one because we started later. So uh, stick around, everybody. What
4: do, you, uh, do you buy tickets? Is that what you're doing?
2: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's not going well. Um, uh, what what are your surprises from Hangtown?
4: Well, Taft for one. I'm yeah. Sure you guys talked about that. Yeah. Um, but for me, just having the dude go buy a rockstar edition, which I've been swearing by for the past few months. Yeah. Um, but I was shocked that he was right on stock air forks, which blew me away. Yeah. And uh, all he had was an ignition and some bars and a pipe, which is uh, you know basically stock-ish. Yep. So I was impressed by his his moto scores. Um, Enzo Lopes. I was pretty stoked on his ride. I know it was kind of quiet and wasn't a lot of people talking about that, but I've been kind of on that kid's bandwagon for a couple of years because I see him at the local track. Mm-hmm. I talked to him a little bit. Very humble kid. He doesn't ride like a normal, you know, teenage kid revving the shit out of his bike. He's yeah, really yeah. smooth. He kind of reminds me of of Mosman a little bit. Okay, and uh, I, I think it's good for JGR to get those guys. So I was so Lopes and Taft... And actually, you know, I was I was surprised by Barsha. You know, people are like, oh, he got a podium. That's normal. Well, for me, I didn't think he would podium right off the bat. So that's that's a promising uh, sign for him when he goes back east because he's going to be really good back east.
2: Yeah, he, he will uh, benefit from that for sure. What do you make of Anderson's ride? Lots of debate about that. And, you know, he says he wants to go to the Motocross Nations. And, and, you know, Rarick was in the studio on Monday and saying that he thinks he's going to basically mail it in. Uh, he's got a Supercross title, and I get that. But you don't get picked for designations that way. So, um, And, then, you know, he was leading the second moto and then went backwards. Confusing day for Jason Anderson.
4: Yeah, his starts were good. He was up there. I just think, man, honestly, and I'm sure JT would know more about this than I would, but 17 rounds at a Supercross, all the stress that that guy had coming mm-hmm. down to the last round, doesn't have that much time to decompress. Obviously, he wanted to party a little bit, get that out of the way, and he was sick. And I just don't think he was ready for thirty plus two at Hangtown. And for people that have never been to Hangtown, dude, it is freaking gnarly. Like it's so square edgy, and it was harder pack this year than normal years. So I just don't think uh, physically he was up to up to par. But he will be. I I, I think he'll be podium a lot. I don't know how much he's going to win with, with Eli around and Marvin. I think those mm-hmm. two guys will be be a little bit separated from him. But I will think he'll he'll start to get his shit together this weekend. I think it will be a little bit better at Glenn Helen. Yep. And he'll be even better when we go, obviously, past Colorado. He probably won't do that great there because elevation. But um, I don't think he's going to pack it in and say, fuck it. I think he's going to do good. I think, uh, you know, you start rolling a little bit, two, three rounds in, and he'll start getting better.
2: You... um you talked about uh, working with Honda a little bit and, and, and testing some things. Well, Martin, Jmart uh tells me the 2018 CRF250 is much, much improved. Um, but, you know, when you look at the shootouts, which don't mean a whole lot when it comes to a guy like Jmart, but, you know, it didn't kill it in the shootouts, but Jmart swears by the new bike.
4: Yeah, I think mostly what he's talking about is chassis. For sure, chassis is, is a day and night difference. And like I said, I've had a lot of time on that bike as well. Engine-wise, it's not a fire breather. It's not a KTM or a, a Yamaha. but And I can attest to how slow that bike looked when those guys were testing it before outdoors. Um, coming out of a corner where it's really deep, they were revving the shit out of that bike, and I was like, oh, boy, they're going to struggle. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, yeah. but they found some power. It looks better now. It actually looks like it has some meat and torque, and that's what that bike's missing. Um and I think the way J-Mart rides, he's pretty aggressive. He he kind of he revs his bike a lot. And so that chassis and the way they have that engine, I think, suits J-Mart. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's bullshitting about how good it is. I just yeah. think it's mostly on the chassis side.
2: Yeah. Uh, man, when you watch Hangtown, Zach Osborne's just got it all together right now. He's just the Jesus. total package.
4: He doesn't scare you when he rides like uh,
2: – I see him come through the
4: pack and I just like, holy shit, like he's going to explode or he's going to fly off the track and he's so gnarly and I'm pretty good at watching riders and studying guys and to me, it just makes me tired watching him. Like he, he moves around the bike so much. He's so aggressive. Man, he he (laughs) can
2: pivot. He can pivot at a moment's notice. It seems like if he's in traffic and somebody's floating over on him or, or he needs to dive inside of somebody, man, can he pivot that, but that thing.
4: He's so aggressive and like that takes so much energy. I can't even explain to you how much energy that that takes and to him as be as good as he is, mm-hmm. as fast as he is and in shape, ah dude, it's gonna be tough. And I know everyone says, Oh, J Mart was close. I feel like it wasn't as close as everyone thinks it is. I think yeah. he had a little gap and I think he was good with it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, like he could so. there was more in the tank if he needed it type deal.
4: Yeah, I just think he's not at like one hundred percent when he's in the lead. I think he just kicks it down a little bit and, and uh, just shoves it into you know third fourth gear and just cruises in. But I've, man, when he's coming through the pack and he doesn't get a start, it, it gives me anxiety, dude. I can't I can't watch.
2: Have you ever heard of an, a whole shot device unhooking and then putting some ribs out?
4: No, what was that? Who no, did it's that?
2: Forkner. He said that. He said his his whole shot device popped up and he put some ribs out, and that's why he DNF the second moto. Oh,
4: wow. I mean, I've had, some, I've had ribs out before, and it, it fucking hurts. I'm not going to lie, but I've yeah. never had a, a whole shot too far. To yeah.
2: yeah, I don't know if that's exactly uh, been doable either, but yeah, holy smokes, right? Um,
4: all but right. I can't, I can't I can believe if... At Hangtown, that's so choppy inside of those ruts, and if those mm-hmm. guys are sitting down and accelerating, yeah. and all that force going up through their back, I could see how that could yeah. pop out of rib.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, give me your winners for this weekend at Glen Helen.
4: Tomac 450. Uh huh. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go on a limb here. Oh, boy. And I'm going to say Alex Martin for 250.
2: Wow. Take that. That's pretty good.
4: Um, ATM's good on those long starts, dude. So I think Alex is going to get good starts this weekend.
2: Yeah, the uh, the TLD guys do seem to ride there, whether it was Justin Hill back then or McElrath or Nelson or any of those guys, you know. They seem to ride better, yeah. ride well at, at Glen Helen. Yeah. Um, all right, so, uh, Kiefer. Well, are you, can we talk about what you got to do at Glen Helen?
4: Well, we can, but now it's not going to happen. Oh, it's not? No, so I was originally slated to ride the the Works Edition around Gladhellons for like a parade lap thing and show off the bike. But I got word this morning that has been um blocked because um Yamaha actually sponsors the event, so that's not going to go over well. <laughs> so we're not doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah, when you told me that, I was wondering about that cuz Yamaha does sponsor it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so I got word today they're like, "Hey, yeah, don't worry about it." Um Got We can't do it. Yamaha sponsors events, so it's, it's not going to happen. So, But, the, hey, the bikes will be in the pit, so people want to go check out the works edition. They will have, like, a hospitality area with the bikes out.
2: Can you tell the Honda guys to line up the CRF on the top of the shroud for 2020, for please? You don't like that? No. No, I don't like that. I still don't like that.
4: Really? Hasn't grown on you yet?
2: No, not at all.
4: So now, I, when originally when they came out with that design, I wasn't pumped on either. I wanted less white and more red, like a maybe not as big CRF, um, but looks like that's going to be in the works for a few years.
2: Yeah, oh, jeez, ridiculous. Well, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. uh, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Before we go, uh, give me your podium for sub sandwiches.
4: Ooh, God, your podium's way off, by the no,
2: way. No, firehouse um, is number one. Tits, you agree? Okay, I don't know about number one, yeah. but it's
3: definitely on the podium. Thank it's strong. You. You know, Thank you. Yes, firehouse tits, is delicious. It's
2: agrees.
4: So first one for for sure, Capriati's is good. I'm in number one. The one that you and I went to wasn't that great. I agree, but the one I go to is really good. Um, and if you're at Capriati's, the chipotle sauce is where it's at. So get a side of that, and you can dip your Sammy in that. That's that's a game changer. Um, second would be Jersey Mike's. Oh, um, always solid. I know you said you didn't like the 42, which is weird.
2: Yeah, I had the 42. Not good. a fan of it. Wasn't a fan of it. Too much juice everywhere. Nobody wants to eat, oh, eat like what a soggy man, bun. What
4: man never says too much juice? No, Dude, man. nobody
2: wants that's a soggy bad. bun like that and everything. Tits, what Jersey Mike's uh, thoughts? Tits? Um, Middle of the road. I've had uh, it a handful of times. I certainly wouldn't put it on the podium, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Tits and I are thinking and, alike when it comes to sandwiches, I think. Yeah.
4: Uh, Third, I would have to say, if I can find one, which is hard to
2: find, Blimpies. No, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had Blimpies, but there we go. You've so never f- had. I don't think so. Firehouse, not on the podium. They used to have Blimpie
3: over on the corner over there, yeah. and they nickel and dime down everything. Like you wanted cheese on there, and they were charging
2: it like it didn't come on the sandwich and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, see, I'm like no way. We're out. We're out when it comes to Blimpie Kiefer. Yeah, well, what's your podium, real quick? Uh, yeah, this is fascinating radio. <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'll, I like uh, Firehouse Togos. Um, probably Quiznos. If I can ever find a Quiznos. Ooh, Quiznos.
4: So you tell me, Capriotti is is less than Quiznos?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I just did that. Are quizzes even still yeah. open. Yeah, there's one over here on the Centennial. Mm. Yeah, they're all in gas station pits. That's how good. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's where the Blimpies is. That's yeah, exactly. Here. Gas yeah, station. Blimpies aren't exactly <laughs> thriving, bro. Yeah. All right, we gotta go. Thanks for your time, though, Kiefer. Appreciate it.
0: All right, I'll see you. Later. See you this weekend.
2: Oh, you're going. Yeah, I'll see you. You're going to Glen Helen.
4: I'll see you. Just let's just say I'll see you. I'll all see. you. Maybe if maybe you stay the night here and hang out with your, you know, like oh, a family. Fantastic.
2: Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your time. All right. See you guys. See ya. All right, everybody. That is a wrap. Tits, thank you. Didn't really get much in this week, but, you know. That's all right. You made it through. That's the most important part. I'm still trying to. I see. that. I'm still trying to. It's a, it's a joke. You powered through like a champ. it's ridiculous. And then we had server issue. Like, yeah, this was a lot a, of angry callers. Can't a, listen to the show. Thanks a lot, Travis. Thanks, Travis. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Travis. Thanks for shitting on everybody. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk uh, round three. Thanks, Stitz. We's out. I was born.